with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his apostles, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink because the little one is a disciple. Amen, I say to you, you will surely not lose his reward. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in town for the 4th of July weekend visiting family, um, welcome to our parish. And we're in the second week of a homily series, a three-week series. Uh, The series is called The Secret Prayers, What Father is Saying and Why Does It Matter? The secret prayers are a reference to those silent prayers of the priest. You might see me praying to the Lord himself, but not out loud. You might see my lips moving. Last week, we talked about the prayers around the gospel. I just kissed the gospel and said one of the secret prayers. You can go back to the podcast, Tribute with the Padre, to uh, hear last week's homily. Uh, but this week we're talking about the secret prayers or the silent prayers around the offertory, the, the setting of the altar. We're placing all the, the vessels on the altar, receiving the bread and the wine, those secret prayers. So we'll start. The deacon or priest, the missile says, the deacon or priest pours wine and a little water into the chalice, saying, by the mystery of this water and wine, May we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. So you notice this. You see it at every Sunday mass. Wine and bread are brought forward and the server brings a little water. And then I pour a little water into the wine. First, I want to point out we've been doing this since the the beginning. The first masses of the early church, St. Justin Martyr expresses it. He says on the conclusion, this is in 150 A.D., on the conclusion of our prayers, bread and wine and water are brought forward. So it's not a new invention. So why were they doing that from the beginning? What's the significance? Well, the water represents humanity. Humanity. The wine, divinity. When you pour them together, the union of the two is Christmas. You weren't expecting me to say Christmas, were you? What do I mean? I mean, the union of the two is the incarnation, is the union between Christ's divine nature and human nature. So I'm symbolically doing something that represents our belief. That Christ is fully God, fully man, human and divine. The prayer reminds us of the incarnation that he humbled himself to share in our humanity and took on real human flesh. 
Like he asked us to put his, our hands into his side, his real side and our real hands. He bled as he was scourged, real blood, you know, in the passion of Christ, the scene that always gets, every scene gets me, but the scene of Mary going back to the pillar, scourging and cleaning up Jesus' blood. Do you remember that scene from the passion of the Christ? It always gets me because it's just so visceral. It's physical. Someone did it. Right? It's real. He cooked breakfast on a beach with Peter and he actually ate fish. Scriptures wanted us to know that. Why did the scriptures want us to know that? Because it happened. And he was doing it to show them that he had a real body. Look, I'm eating fish with you. Right? He really died on a real cross. Even the crown of thorns, is we still have it. It's physical. It's real. You could go see it at the cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. It can kind of be summed up in, and I'm going to use this twice in today's homily, Philippians chapter 2, St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's called the kenosis hymn, meaning to pour out, kenosis. Paul says, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, so his divinity, did not count equality with God something to be grasped at or held on to, but emptied himself. That's where we get the kenosis. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, death on a cross. So Paul's very clearly saying, look, we believe that Christ is fully God, fully man, both natures. Jesus said that as well. Uh, We see it in today's gospel. You know, he's teaching to his apostles and he says uh, some radical things. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Some people might say, oh, Jesus was just a really great human. He was a great teacher, let's say, just like all the other great teachers in the world. I want you to have a thought experiment with me. You go to college, you go to your class, it's syllabus day. You're not expecting them to do work, right? You're just getting the syllabus. On the top of the syllabus, you know, your teacher's like, okay, if you're five minutes early, you're late. Okay, the teacher wants you there on time. And then another thing in the syllabus, quizzes are on Mondays. Quizzes are on Mondays. Make sure you bring a number two pencil. Oh, and by the way, love me more than your parents. Ooh, that's kind of creepy, right? For a teacher, a college professor to say that's not a part of their syllabus. So Jesus isn't just a teacher. He's not just a really good human. He, he's saying to the apostles, you know, I'm God because you only put God first and I need you to put me first. So fully God, fully man. So, but he, he shared in our humanity. The prayer also means it's, a, it's an action that tells us that we share in the divinity of Christ. Not only does he share in our humanity, but because he became human, he lifted humanity into divinity. We share in the divinity of Christ. That's a radical statement. It doesn't mean that we become little gods or we become God himself. That's really the temptation of all sin from the very beginning. We want to be God. We want to say what's right and wrong. The Tower of Babel, we want to be God, right? Even in uh, pagan religions and different religions throughout the world, the leaders of those religions and even nations would, would inevitably, inevitably want people to say they were God. That's our temptation. That's not what this means. It means that by participating in Christ, by receiving him, he takes us up to experience his divinity. There's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. 
What the prayer is saying is that because Jesus attached his divinity to his humanity, our humanity through participation with him was raised to the divine. Again, we hear it in the gospel. Whoever receives you, he's talking about the apostles, receives me, Jesus, okay? And whoever receives me, Jesus, receives the one who sent me, the Father. So the Holy, the Trinity, you're drawn into the Trinity through Jesus and through the apostles. We literally hold divinity in our hands and in our mouths. We're not playing around about this. This is real. This is why we do the things we do, right? This is why we act the way we do in front of the Eucharist. We don't want to be God. We won't want to be gods. We want to be like God. So receive God. Okay, so the next secret prayer. After the bread and wine are prepared, before washing his hands, this is what the missile says, the priest bowing profoundly prays. This is one of the secret prayers. With humble spirit and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, O Lord, and may our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. Okay, I'll take the first part. Humble spirit and contrite heart. A humble spirit. It's not just words. We as Catholics don't just say that. We want to live it out in our bodies. We want to live it out in our actions. So actions speak louder than words, right? And so that's why we do things. Like someone might question, why do you kneel? Why do you kneel in church? Why do we have this part of the, the mass where everyone's like goes to kneel down? You know, I see it often at weddings and funerals where there's, there's, a, there's some Catholics and maybe there's a good number of, of Protestants and everyone, and everyone goes to kneel down. And there's the people going, oh, oh my goodness. And we're standing up now. Okay, we're good, right? It's, it's a little weird. You don't do this everywhere. You don't go to the, to the movie theater and like go in the movie theater and like... Get in my pew, okay? Get in my movie theater pew. You don't do that. Why? Because here is different. What we do is here is different. And we want to show in our body a humble spirit. The Magi prostrate themselves before Jesus and Mary. Prostrate literally means laying down on your face. God asked Moses to take off his sandals out of humility, and he prostrates himself. The woman bowed to the ground when they saw the empty tomb. Mary Magdalene and the other Marys. The apostles prostrate themselves on Mount Tabor and on the boat when they experience God's divinity. It's all in Scripture. So if your church doesn't have kneelers, if you don't bend your knee, that's a problem. Why would you do it all through Scripture, all through the Bible, all through the Acts of the Apostles, and not do it now? Well, maybe you have a medical issue, and that's fine. You don't have to. But generally, as a church, that's why we do it. Again, Philippians chapter 2. Continue with it. God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name of which is above every other name. That the name of who? Come on, come on, people. Y'all, 8 a.m. Y'all got me. Y'all got me messed up. Okay. At the name of? Okay. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul says every knee shall bow. That's why we do it. So today when you go to kneel, think about that. That's why we're, we're humbling ourselves. The last part of that secret prayer, it says, may our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, O Lord. So I pray that for all of us, that our sacrifice may be pleasing to you, O Lord. You know, I didn't say that our sacrifice may be pleasing to us. I've harped on this in the past, but we're going to keep going because this is what the scriptures give us. This is what the prayers of the church give us. 
that our worship is not about pleasing ourselves. And yet we live in a culture where we sometimes want that to be the case because everything else in our culture is about pleasing us. We live in a commodified, commercialized capitalist society, which is fine for the mall. It's fine for the restaurant. It's fine for the pedicure place. You know, like I've only had one pedicure. I'm never doing it again. I hate being tickled. Okay. (laughs) Have it your way. Fine. Customer is always right. Okay. For the marketplace. Chick-fil-A. Come on. It is my pleasure to serve you. That's what they say. And I'm like, that's right. It is your pleasure to serve me. And you do it really good. I love the chicken. There's this rap I heard once. It is my pleasure to serve you. It is my pleasure to serve you. Serving the chicken unless it's on Sunday, my pleasure to serve you. I messed up a little bit. I'll get it better for the next one. But you know what's important on that one? Unless it's on Sunday. Because Sunday, I mean, I just thought it was really cool because Sunday is about pleasing God. It's about breaking out of our commodified cycle of everyone's got to please me. And yet sometimes we come into Sunday saying, you got to please me. It's got to be my way. That's not how it works. We prayed that our sacrifice may be pleasing to you, O Lord. You know why? Because families are not ruled by the laws of capitalism. It shouldn't be. It's not about pleasing me, 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 the individual person. They're ruled by the laws of love and authority and obedience. And the church is not ruled by the laws of capitalism. Because the church is a family. And our worship is not about pleasing you because the worship is about God. Okay, the next prayer, the last one. The priest standing at the side of the altar after the whole offertory. You'll see it today. Pay attention. I walk to the side. It says he prays quietly. And I turn to the altar server and I say, wash me, O Lord, from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins as the server pours water over my hands. What's called the lavabo prayer, which means I wash, I wash. The high priest who would enter into the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 30 says that they would wash their hands and their feet. We've been doing it even before the early church. Back into the tabernacle. Back into the Old Testament. And it said in Exodus 30, he washed his hands and his feet lest he die. So if it's all right with you, I'm going to have Ailey wash my hands today. You know, I don't want to die. So just make sure, like, I don't think I would drop dead now. But the point is. That what we do here is important. That I'm entering something that is awesome. I'm entering something that's terrible. That sounds kind of weird. Terrible. Like like terror. Like it should strike terror. It should shake us to our bones. Because God comes here. This is the Ark of the Covenant. This is the mercy seat. This is the throne room of the heavenly kingdom. Even though it just looks like a table in Jackson, Louisiana, it's not. I'm telling you, that's why we pray these prayers. That's why we do the things we do. That's why I wash my hands, because it's it's really not about me and I'm not worthy. So I put the prayer of David himself. Wash me, O Lord, of my iniquities. Psalm 51. Cleanse me of my sins. What do these prayers teach us? When we approach the Eucharist, when we kneel before the altar, possibly when we kneel as we receive the Eucharist or whoever we receive, we need to do so in humility. It's not every day. It's not random because what happens in front of us is truly great.
Please stand for our profession of faith.